This story happened to my family, specifically to my mother. My family had been having some issues with our new television. It was overheating and the picture had been coming in and out with lines. My stepfather, not knowing too much about television sets, called Comcast to come check out the issue for us. Yet he didn't specifically describe what had been going on at all. The next day my mom had been home by herself with my baby sister who was two at the time and the dogs. We live on a farm kind of in the middle of nowhere. The cable man arrives and is driving an unmarked white pickup truck and wearing a uniform with no logos. As soon as he pulled up, our two dogs started going ballistic, and the dogs never bark at anyone and are extremely friendly most of the time. The man got out of his truck as my mom and sister greeted him outside. Instantly, my mom said that she had a horrible feeling. He started to describe to her the exact problem our television had been having, without being told. Instead of going inside the house to take a look, he stayed outside and used a simple ladder to get to a power box, and although my mom couldn't tell for certain, he didn't seem to be doing much at all. Later, the man leaves without saying goodbye, asking for payment or anything. That evening, my mother's telling us about the strange experience she had, and how strange the man was when the phone rings. It was Comcast, saying that they were very sorry for the delay, and that they would be sending someone out to look at our television. My stepfather told them that someone had already been out today, and they were surprised, as they had no record of anyone having been out. The TV worked fine for another week, and started the issues again, and when a repairman arrived, his truck, uniform, and everything was marked. He asked to come inside checked everything out and fixed it. He had us sign papers and everything was fine, so we're not sure who the first man was that visited our home, or how he knew so much. I am a 28 year old male living in the deep south. I am a functional medicated, and therapy-attending paranoid schizophrenic. However, I wasn't always this way, and this story comes from a time before I ever even knew what was wrong. It was about April 2007 when this happened. I had just come out of a painful divorce, and she had taken all of my friends away from me in the process. I was obviously trying to reach out to anyone I could but I had severe codependency issues that I didn't know how to address. Anyway, I found myself wandering the game section of my local Walmart, as I am still a gamer at heart, and I had to see what was available. Things were going alright, and I seemed to be in control of myself. Then he appeared. This poor, unsuspecting soul started to talk to me about World of Warcraft, which I happened to play. I perked up at this point, thinking I could make a new friend, a new friend that hadn't been taken from me. We made casual jokes and talked about the new expansion pack. At this point, his mother came by and took him to another aisle. He didn't say goodbye, he just walked off, and like that, our conversation was through. Well, in my mind, we had made a connection. 
We had bonded in my sick, twisted state. I thought he would appreciate it if we hung out for a while, so I followed him. I made a point to casually stroll down the aisles that he happened to visit and strike up conversations with him about different things. Jokes, I can't remember. I could tell he was getting creeped out by the third time I had done this. He started getting this deer in the headlights look every time he saw me, and it was starting to become a horror story. Though in my eyes, it was perfectly natural. At some point, however, his fight or flight must have kicked in, because when I appeared, as soon as I opened my mouth to speak, he screamed, Leave me alone! and stormed off, dragging his mother as quickly as he possibly could. This was a wake-up call for me, that I was being severely creepy and also a stalker. I realized that this could very well be the behavior that caused my divorce in the first place. I checked myself into a mental institution soon after and got the help I needed. I am now much better and my relationships with people have improved greatly. I now have good friends and a loving fiance. Not all creepers mean to be creepy. Some of us just need proper psychiatric help. On behalf of all the unknowing and good intentioned creepers out there, I humbly and sincerely apologize for our behavior. It doesn't make it forgivable but I hope it does give some context as to what goes on in the mind of a creeper. Thank you for your time. When I was 14, my mother, sister, and I had been dealing with my mom's stalker ex-boyfriend for months. We were all feeling pretty worn out and traumatized. Mom took us to a family member's home in California for a few days' break from the stress. We went there a lot. It used to be my favorite place in the world. We brought along my 16-year-old cousin Rachel, who was my best friend at the time. We were staying in a house on a bluff overlooking the beach. Our place was the third-to-last condo on the bluff. On the far right of the condos was a grassy, muddy slope that went down to the edge of the bluff, with heavy trees at the top of the hill. There was no lighting, and it was as dark as it possibly could be. My cousin went over there to smoke. We stumbled down, giggling and shushing each other, and feeling extra grown up for needing a place to secretly smoke cigarettes. We weren't scared. We had grown up visiting that place. We had a false sense of security because of the gates, never mind the fact that there was an unlocked staircase right off the beach into the complex. Suddenly, we both stopped talking. We hadn't heard or seen anything, we just both got that feeling of being watched. We turned in unison and stared up at the trees behind us. It was incredibly dark and we couldn't see anything, we just had a really awful feeling. The sound of the ocean made it hard to hear at first, but as we fell silent, we could hear it clearly. It was breathing. Hello? There was a shuffling noise, but no reply. We can hear you over there. Hey, do you need a light? My cousin giggled, but then her smile slowly vanished. There was no answer. Rachel threw her cigarette down 
and we turned and started to walk back up to the house at double pace. As we crested the hill, we heard footsteps stumbling down behind us from the trees, and we broke into a run with the footsteps picking up behind. Someone was chasing us, and we couldn't see a single thing. We could hear breathing, but whoever was chasing us wasn't saying a word. Not stop, or hey, or anything. We ran as fast as we could. We stumbled up to the house and slammed the gate behind us, slammed the door, and locked it. Peeking out afterward, we couldn't see anyone or anything. We thought about telling my mom, but then she would have asked what we had been up to, so we decided to keep it to ourselves. We didn't think very much of it because we were dumb, invincible teenagers. We told ourselves it was probably a kid trying to scare us. My cousin went to bed. My sister and I fell asleep watching TV on the living room floor. The main wall of the living room was glass, a huge sliding door facing out onto the low porch and the bluff underneath. The sliding mechanism was broken and required a stick jammed in the door to lock it. Sometimes we remembered, and sometimes we didn't. That night, we remembered. At about 3 a.m., I woke up to the sound of someone pounding with all their might on the front door. It was actually shaking the house. I thought it was the police. This is security. Open the door. Open the door, you're in danger. A man's voice was shouting. He was shining a flashlight into the little frosted glass windows beside the door. My mother whispered for us to lie as still as we possibly could. She crept about halfway up the steps and said something to the effect of, What's the problem? And he yelled that a man had been seen breaking into our home, and we needed to open the door, now. The voice got angrier and more frantic. Security! Open up now! He demanded. A second later, more frantic pounding. My mother yelled that he needed to leave and have the security people call us. Security! Open the door! Open the door! Open the door! My mother screamed some male name like she was calling her husband. She shouted that she and her husband were both armed and that she had already called the police. The pounding abruptly stopped. Obviously, he was not a security guard. They never found the person who had been banging on the door. They found a rock that was dragged down the bluff path and pushed up against the bottom of the porch as a stepping stone. There was a small pile of camel cigarette butts by the sliding glass door. My mother smoked Marlboros. I have no idea how long he was sitting outside the porch in the dark, smoking cigarettes and watching me and my four-year-old sister sleep. There were more butts up in the trees. I'm absolutely sure that he dropped back and watched us run up to the house, then went to the trees to wait until it got later. A lot of the magic of that place was gone after that. The actual police were called, but nothing came of it. For what it's worth, it wasn't the stalker X. He didn't have a car. Whoever it was, was never caught. Nothing else ever happened but I never really felt safe there again. I've never been a good man. 
I was a bratty kid. I was a bully in high school. I stole from my parents a lot. Went to jail for a year at 18. Went to rehab at 20. And after all of that, my mother still told me that she loved me. But I could always see the disappointment in her eyes. I mean, why shouldn't she be? I failed out of college when my older sister is married and making $300,000 a year. She gave them pride. I gave them debt. At 25, I was living with my parents with no job. I've ruined everything I have touched. Despite everything I've done in my life, there has been one person that I know loved me unconditionally. My sweet niece, Marcella. Only, I called her Mars. She's the whole reason I decided to stop being a fuck-up. She's the whole reason that I admitted that I was a fuck-up in the first place. I remember when she was first born. I looked into her tiny eyes. I knew she was something special. My sister took well to me spending more time around her house. She and her husband were both busy people and didn't want to pay a babysitter. I didn't mind because I could spend my time with Mars and I could eat all of their food. It was a good setup for everyone, including her. Uncle Steffi! She would yell every time I walked through the door. Mars! I would yell back. When she was seven, my sister announced that she and her husband were going to take a second honeymoon. Of course, she asked me to watch Mars. And of course, I said yes. They were only supposed to be gone three days. I had watched her for longer before with no problem other than Mars missing her mommy and daddy. Around the same time, a family had moved into the house next door. They had a boy that couldn't have been older than 12 or so, but he spoke like he was 20. He, apparently, had taken a shining to Mars. I don't know why, but my sister was completely fine with it. I had to listen to her rant on and on about this kid. His parents say that he aspires to be a doctor. He's a really smart little man. Marcella could benefit from hanging out with a kid like that. I decided that I had no room to judge when he came knocking and asked if Mars wanted to come out and play. Something didn't seem right about this kid. I remembered being a kid at his age and I would have never played with a seven-year-old girl with good intentions. When I answered the door, I noticed that he had an old messenger bag. I casually asked him what was in it. Oh, just my new doctor's kit I got for Christmas. Some Legos. I have a ton of old toys at home that I think Marcella would like. I nodded, actually surprised. Despite being a little creepy, the kid was charming. So I let her go, but still took precaution. She was usually allowed to go just about anywhere she wanted to go, as long as she stayed away from the main roads. But I told her to stay within bounds of the two yards, just to be safe. Additionally, I asked her to be back around 5 so we could have dinner. I cooked spaghetti that night. I glanced up at the window a few times and there they were, just running around. Sometimes he would bend down and whisper in her ear before looking over to the window and smiling. Fucking creepy. Kids can be like that though. I probably looked away no more than 15 minutes. I had to prepare the garlic bread. They weren't there anymore, so I went outside and checked our yard. Gone. Checked his yard. Still gone. Went over and knocked on their door. The parents didn't appear to be home. I thought for a moment, maybe they were playing in the woods, 
She had been in trouble several times for going there by herself, and she knew it was a big no-no unless she had someone older with her. Most of the neighborhood kids played there. Damn it, I fucking told her not to leave the street. I calmed myself and started walking. When I arrived at the edge of the woods, something didn't feel right. It was silent. No birds, no bugs, just silence. I walked the edge before I found a small path that the children used. The sun had only just started to coast its way down, but the woods already almost looked like night. As I walked, my foot stepped on something soft. Crouching down to look closer, I realized that it was Mars' jacket. I groaned, mostly to calm myself of the uneasiness and keep myself convinced that it was just a situation of her breaking the rules. She knew she wasn't to take off her jacket since it was a bit chilly out. Autumn was reaching its peak. Then as I walked, I noticed something far worse than her breaking the rule. It wasn't just her jacket, oh no, it was her shirt, then her pants, shoes, socks, underwear, oh god, why the hell had she taken off her clothes? I thought maybe they had gone back to the river that ran through the woods to go swimming, but that didn't seem plausible. It was much too cold, and she barely liked swimming when it was warm. I walked only for a few more minutes before catching a glimpse of something in the distance. Two figures, one much smaller than the other. I started to jog, but I froze when I came close enough to the scene. She was tied to the tree with an old, ratty jump rope. Her clothes were off. Her head was slumped forward, chin to her chest. He stood there in front of her, a decently sized kitchen knife in one hand and a hammer in the other. Both of her ankles sat at a funny angle, an unnatural angle. I felt sick. I took a step closer, but he didn't react despite the sound of the crunching fall leaves. I could then see that she had been gutted. Frozen, I could feel myself crying, but I couldn't make a sound. He knelt down and laid the hammer gently down on the ground. He stood back up, stepped towards her, and grabbed her chin. Lifting her face up, he stared into her lifeless eyes. He lifted the knife towards her face and began cutting into the skin of her cheek. This is when I began to scream. He turned around, completely unsurprised. He spoke. What's wrong? We're just playing doctor. Doctor.